This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, here with you on a well, cloudy uh, day, but we'll bring a little sunshine your way, I hope, anyway. Charlie, good morning. Good morning, Franklin. Oh. Ooh. Oh. We're well, being formal. Yes. A formal morning. <laughs> ah, there you are. Well, we're all in our comfy little outfits Long here. underwear, pretty much. Fuzzy pajamas. <laughs> where, where did you drive in from? <laughs> in the Antarctic or Arctic or what? Well, no. it's, yeah, there's no snow at my place yet, but the leaves are finally down. Yeah. And um, there is snow in the forecast for areas north of me, for sure. Right. You know, and and to... winds, apparently. Yeah, big winds. Pretty gusty. Yeah, yeah okay. tonight and tomorrow. Well, better keep things nailed down, my friends. Uh, that's right. Meanwhile, Put away that patio furniture. Yeah. Don't let oh, it blow anywhere. Lord, yes. Okay, uh, we we better get moving along here. Uh, 9.07 the time, 9.08. Look at that. It's ripping right by. Let me give you the phone numbers so you can reach Charlie here on Zoomer Radio. 416-360-0740. And, of course, anywhere in the province, it is toll-free. 1-866-740-4740. If you're a first-time caller, please let Sebastian, a good-looking Sebastian, uh, in there, at least he tells me that. Best looking yeah. Sebastian. <laughs> let, let him know, and uh, we'll hear this when you're welcome to the air. And a little reminder that our motto is, as usual, uh, call early, call often, one question per call. There you go. Uh, okay. All right. You're still writing something. What do you mean? Well, you know, I've You're editing. Just, yes, yeah, you got to be on the ball here because you'll be making fun <laughs> of me otherwise. Uh, okay, a couple of announcements, right. as is my want, as you like to say. Today, Royal Botanical Gardens, today's the last day, uh, last chance for uh, some special sale items to do with the season. Seasonal fresh greens, boughs, wreaths, table designs. There's bulbs, amaryllis bulbs and paper whites, which make a great Christmas present um, or present of any kind to anybody you love. They're easy to grow. Today, they're open from 10 until 4 at the RBG Center. So that's the Royal Botanical Gardens, 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. Uh, big announcement from Sierra Sill. Mm-hmm. I was just showing you something that I had typed up, but I'm going to forward you an email as well. You know the topical spray that you love uh, so indeed much? Indeed I do, yes. That I think you would probably dab a little behind your ears every morning if you could get <laughs> away with it because it smells so good and makes you feel so good. Well, it was just awarded the Vista Magazine Editor's Favorite Things Seal. There you go. Now, what is Vista Magazine? Okay, so Vista Magazine is a magazine conceived for the health and nutrition savvy reader. It is available at natural food, health food stores. right across Canada, or you can order a subscription to Vista Magazine just by sending an email to subscribe at 
this.magazine.ca. So, uh, well, that, that's great for Sierra. That's right. That's something to be very proud of. And I think that, you know, we would also attest that it's one of our favorite things too, but especially yours. <laughs> uh, okay. I told you about the Astor Awards that were happening at the Toronto Botanical Gardens mm-hmm. this past Thursday. I did attend. Uh, it was lovely. Night, really nice food, quite swanky, lovely, uh, sort of people all schmoozing. No, I didn't go that far. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, so I did dress better than I do for radio. Uh, three extraordinary individuals were honored by the Toronto Botanical Gardens for helping to transform Toronto by connecting people to plants and the natural world. Mm-hmm. Each of those individuals was given a, a, this award. And they had a few moments to, you know, speak. Well, do, I'll tell you, Dr. Roberta Bondar was amazing. The astronaut. The, yeah. the astronaut the, she's a physician. She's a scientific researcher. She's a photographer. She's an educator. She's an author. This woman, I don't know how she's done it all. And she's really personable. Now I feel so very insignificant. I'll tell you. I know. It's really hard to feel like you're – exactly. Like you have you – know, hey, she, she's, she's really, really mesmerizing. She t- spoke really well. I would just like to you know, hang with her for a while. She was really, really good. Um, and she is very much into educating children, particularly mm-hmm. about trees and, and the natural world. Um, Jeff Cape, the founder of Evergreen and CEO of Evergreen Brickworks, was on hand. And the winner, the Rising Star winner, was a woman named Arlene Thronis, young woman, very excited to be there. She coordinates RISE, R-Y-E, RISE, homegrown rooftop farm at Ryerson University. Well, good for her. I don't know if you've ever walked through Ryerson, you'll see signage that says, look up. And then you look up and on the rooftops, you'll see all kinds of things growing. Um, they've, got a, they've got a greenhouse on one rooftop. They've got all kinds of vegetables and yeah, greens. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, anyway, Isn't that cool? It was very fun. It was a, good, it was a very good event. And, Excellent. Uh, yeah, so a few more little things to, to talk about, but I think we probably should talk to some callers. And then Absolutely. we'll get back. Back to uh, okay. what's going on and right. some mail I received. All right, we'll, we'll take a brief pause here and uh, be back to say hi to Brenda in Dundalk in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Oh, we're here. Yes, we well, are. We are. Okay. I'm busy typing things to <laughs> well, Sebastian. Yeah. I think he's listening to us. You were just so busy there getting our little uh, workstation all prim and proper. Uh, yes, I do like things sorted out. You know me. It's uh, organized. Yes. yes, she has sorted me out more than once. <laughs> Brenda in Dundalk, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. It's Dundas. Oh, oh Dundas. Okay. Good morning. Just outside Hamilton. Yeah, I know exactly where that is. Okay. Uh, my question uh, is regarding what I think is a vine. Mm. It's on my on my friend's porch, and it's got lovely red flowers and, and small green leaves, and it has a long trailing stem, which makes me think yeah. it's a vine. And, and, and I look, tried to look at the label she has there, mm. and it says something like, it sounds like diplomaniac. <laughs> Diplodenia. Dipl- that's it, yeah. yes. So, Can she bring it in? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I will, it will die if she doesn't. 
in, okay. in a hard frost. So it's got shiny, small green leaves yes. Yes, and lovely red flowers. It is a tropical vine. Mm-hmm. So it does, if she's bringing it in, hopefully she has a sunny window or a patio door or some bright spot in her home that she could place the plant. Uh, I would ensure that there's something in the pot for the vine to climb on, whether it's a, a you know. A trellis type of thing. A trellis or a, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah any chunk of wood, right? It doesn't need much. It doesn't need any fancy. But sometimes people will have a art, you know, a trellis, a wire, something, and it will. It, you'll train. You'll begin by training it. It doesn't have, um, uh, like, it doesn't have suckers to hold on. But it no. it twines. It, it will twine around. Twine around. Yeah. It will probably need a little bit of cutting back. If not now, then definitely in March. It should be cut no, back right. quite quite hard. And for now, yeah, it's just sunshine and water as necessary. Um. I have something that's not a question, but it, it, please let me do it. <laughs> Sally, will you please write a little book or a booklet all about pruning? Okay. I will. Write a little booklet. I about just pruning. need somebody to pay me for that, and I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Another work project. Uh, no, it's true, yeah. though. That's one of the things that people struggle with the most is pruning yep. how and when and and yeah things that seem so obvious to me are not so mm. obvious to others so yeah a good photo booklet would be exactly a good idea brenda i'll, I'll make a note of that and i'll f- okay. see if i can find some diplomania to... by the way yeah, I know, that's a good uh, diplomania is is someone who uh, that's you at the spur of the moment uh runs around various neighborhoods jumping into pools uh, uh, yeah. Dipping, yeah, at the, yeah, at the weirdest um, times, <laughs> diplomania, swimming pool. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, gotcha. that that satisfied that little uh, mm-hmm. question there. Um, yep. Ron in Burlington's on the line right now. Hi, good morning, Ron. Hi, morning. Hi, we have a problem. Not a problem, but just want to know when the best time to cut down the flocks. They're get a tall, dead stock. So it's flocks, right? Flocks. Flocks. Better do that now or in the spring. Uh, well, the leaves are all kind of brown and crispy now, aren't they? Absolutely. I would cut it down now. I would okay. cut it to about a, one to two inches tall. Okay, very good. Is that same for uh, chrysanthemums? No, I'd leave the mums because they're still blooming, aren't they? Yeah. If things are blooming, leave them alone. The reason I would cut down the flocks now, if you can, before spring, is just because flocks is very susceptible to mildew, particularly powdery mildew. Okay. So by eliminating the leaves from the garden now means they won't be there next spring to potentially inoculate new growth with spores, fungal spores that have overwintered on this year's leaves. Very good. Yeah, so it's just a like it's a good garden hygiene kind of thing when it comes to plants like flocks. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call. Uh, And as we say goodbye to Ron, that leaves a line open at uh, here in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And of course, anywhere in the province, it is toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Let's see. Oh, in Scarborough, there's Albert. Good morning, Albert. Uh, Good morning. Morning. I enjoy your program very much, and uh, I'd like to ask Charlie a question about my large poinsettia. Okie doke. I've had it for about five years. It's in quite a large pot, about 15 inches in diameter. Mm. And I noticed the other day that the green leaves have all got uh, a white fuzz on them. It almost looks like you've spilled flour on it. Hmm. And have you done anything different this year with the plant than other years? Pardon? Have you treated the plant differently this year than other years? No, I've got it in the uh, sunroom, the same place as I always keep it. 
Do and uh, it has lots of lice and that. It, uh, I was wondering maybe if I'm giving it too much water. Uh, potentially. If it looks like it's got a fuzzy white coating, that sounds a lot like powdery mildew. And powdery mildew is a, is a fungal disease yeah. that doesn't happen that often on poinsettias, but it can. It looks and, like fuzz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of a white fuzz mm-hmm. on the green leaves. Exactly. So, And do you mist it or anything like that? Do you, do you use a spritzer? Do you spritz it with moisture? Do you? Uh, no, I don't do anything with the leaves. I just uh, give it water about uh, every couple of weeks, and uh, mm-hmm. when you know when I feel the earth is dry, okay, I give it uh, maybe a cup of water. Yeah, but uh, it is a big plant. It uh, it's about three feet high now, and uh, I would hate to I would hate to lose it, but I don't know whether I should be doing anything to treat it or... What. Well, that, yeah, actually, I'm just double-checking that as we're, as we're on the f- phone here. Um, so, hmm, there are fungicides. Okay, so you're calling from Scarborough. What I would do is I would go to Sheridan Nurseries in Scarborough, or yeah. if you have another garden center that you like, go there. But somewhere, like I wouldn't just go to a big box store, go to an actual garden center, because yeah. they will still have an inventory on hand of appropriate um, controls. Yeah. And I would ask one of the staff there, uh, definitely look for a smart staff, don't just look for the you know high school student, Probably they will have something called serenade, just like, you know, a serenade, somebody singing to you, serenading you. There's a product called serenade. There's also liquid sulfur available. Either of those, as far as I know, could be used to try and maybe not eradicate the mildew, but at least stop the spread of the mildew. That's going to be the challenge now. Okay, so I'll, uh, yes. I'll go to Sheridan's. They're up here on Ellesmere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're close to you there. So okay. that's what I would do. It's a, and, and yeah, keep moisture right away from the leaves. Obviously, when you're watering, you're just watering the soil. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll see if I can come up with anything else. That um, te- Temperature does have some bearing on mildew. So what kind of, um, what kind of temperature is the plant in, in your in your uh, it doesn't Sun. freeze in the winter time, but it, it doesn't keep a very hot temperature. Right. Uh, it's a it's a sunroom and it has a gas stove in it. But okay. uh, when the weather gets real cold, sometimes it gets pretty cool out there. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the one thing I do know is that once the weather is cooler around a poinsettia, it's more likely to get mildew, or more likely for mildew to so it spread. Has nothing to do with my watering. No, no, I don't think so. No, no it's more. Okay, that's what I'll do. I'll go over to Sheridan, and I'll take a couple of leaves with me. Good idea. In a in a and, uh, block let them bag. Have a look at it. Yeah, thanks, thanks very much. Thanks, Albert. Enjoy your program. Thank have you, and good luck with that. That's a fifteen-year-old poinsettia. Is a old poinsettia. Yeah, that's one some, isn't it? That huh? is. That's good for you. Well. Albert Being. in Scarborough will be talking to other uh, listeners uh, with questions to Charlie Dobbin, our uh, landscape. Landscape. <laughs> what am I saying? Um, 
Well, yes, you are a landscape I expert. am a landscape designer. Yeah, yes, exactly. landscape expert. Yes, yes. <laughs> an expert on so many things. I'm still the listening, one yes. thing that has <laughs> been ruminating around my mind, right off the top this morning, yeah. you mentioned that uh, Sierra Sills Pain Relief Topical Spray, spray mm. having been just awarded the Vista Magazine's Editor Favorite Things Seal. Mm. And I'm thinking, do you know something? That made me feel good yeah. it, because I so firmly believe in that. I know. And I just love the Should product. Get the Frank Proctor favorite That's, seal. We need <laughs> yes. to start that maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Trademark yeah. that idea. Well, anyway. Uh, Stamp think, of approval from I, Frank Proctor. I, I, I would really heartily recommend if you have any sort of ache or pain that you may yeah, do a little workout or you're yeah. in the garden or yeah. soon you'll be shoveling snow. Uh, though, yeah, oh, four-letter <laughs> word. Um, by all means, give it a try. That's all we ask. Just yeah. give it a try. And you'll, like me, say, wow, I smell like I've just fallen from a pine tree. And, and I feel so – I feel really good. Yeah, Despite exactly. the fact that I just fell out of a pine tree. <laughs> no, I know. It's a very interesting spray and it does certainly smell amazing and it works. And congratulations to them yeah. again. So for more information, check them out on the web, sierrasil.com or give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, I'll tell you, Charlie, the callers have been coming in fast and furious. And so, <laughs> isn't, there a, isn't that like a video game? Fast and furious. Oh, yeah, Or a movie yeah. or something? The, a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. both, I Sebastian guess. just blared in my ear there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> movie, movie, movie. Oh, okay, movie. all right. <laughs> Sally in Hamilton, hello and welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Enjoy your program. Uh, my question today is uh, we have this shrub, and it's called a Malva Sylvestris Zabrina. Okay. Wow. Do you know that? Um, I will in a second. <laughs> yeah, it, it look, it's uh, it's about two and a half feet, and it sort of looks to me like a like a miniature uh, rose of Sharon. Okay. Uh, hold on. Yeah. So I know. Is it pink? Yes. Right. Okay. Yep. Yep. And purple. Yeah. Okay. And my question is: Do we cut this down? Ooh. Because you know what? It's still blooming beautifully. I know. Because on this thing that I got, on the sticker, it says it blooms from uh, July to September, mm-hmm. but it's still blooming beautifully. Well, that's because you live in balmy Hamilton. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, it does bloom well into fall until we get a very hard frost. Right. So that's what you're waiting on is that hard. I mean, we've had some light frosts, but it's, it's you know what? Leave it alone. I would not do any kind of cutting down at all. It is considered a short-lived perennial, so it may not last for years and years and years in your garden. But, you know, um, I would... Just leave it. It might do a little bit of reseeding around your garden, which, yeah. you know, you'll just have to stay on top of that. Don't let it do a takeover. Right. But at the same time, it loves a sunny spot. It's, you know, excellent in terms of disease resistance, um, full sun, and um, any kind of soil. So, and it's, right. like you said, so it's an easy, easy care plant, 
butterflies, hummingbirds, they all love it. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, Charlie. Yeah, clean it all up in the spring, but leave it alone for now is my suggestion. Great. So we don't cut it or anything in the spring, just clean it up. No, no, you will cut it. You have the dead stems. You'll cut, oh, you'll, the cut the, stem. you'll cut the stems down to about an inch tall in the spring. So if it's really unsightly and you, in the next month, you could cut it down then too. But I would, if it's blooming, let it be. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Thanks okay, for calling. thank you very much. You're thank welcome. Thank you, Sally. Oh, well, I just have a little quick uh, moment here. I want to give a shout-out to my youngest son, Toby. Oh, yes. Why? Who, well, uh, he has a, a wonderful role in a, a movie mm. that's going to be on TV this Monday evening oh. called Merry Matrimony. And he has he plays sort of the best man of the lead in this, uh, so Mary as an M E R R Y. That's, that's correct. Yeah, yeah Mary like matrimony. Happy matrimony. Exactly. And so mm. Hallmark series oh, production. Wow. So yeah, Is pretty like Victorian England. Pretty good. No, no, you know it's it's uh, shot in the in Contemporary. current time. In ah. uh, any any case, I wish I could tell you what channel. I don't know the channel myself, but if you uh. look up the name. It'll be at 8 o'clock on uh, Monday, Monday the 23rd. Yes. All yeah. right. So I'll be so at your I'm... place. We'll get the popcorn yeah, and we'll watch. Exactly. I'll uh, uh, order in some beer, too. What oh, the heck? There yeah. you go. Nothing. Sounds good. Oh, well, while we're doing shout-outs, Monday yes. is my parents' 64th wedding anniversary. York. Well, yeah. hey. So, yeah. yeah big. Uh, Might not be a record, but a damn good average, I would well, say. As my mother says, <laughs> it feels like 164. But nevertheless. <laughs> oh, isn't that great? So congratulations to both of them. All the very best. Okay. <laughs> Hazel in Mississauga, welcome to the show. Hello, Hazel. Good morning, Hazel. Yep, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Um, My question is, um, my husband and I, we purchased two fruit trees in the summer, this last summer. Mm. Um, A pink lemonade blueberry and a cherry, a five-variety cherry tree. And um, I'm wondering what we should do to make sure that um, they last through the winter. Is there anything we should be doing? Mm. You mentioned a blueberry? Yes. Okay, so how do these plants look right now? Um, the, the leaves look brown right now. Okay. Well, the, yeah, so I would expect that the cherry would have, you know, the leaves are turn, turning brown or, you know, in right. the process of falling off. There is yeah. nothing you should do for the winter off the top of my head to the cherry. There will be some pruning perhaps you'll do next spring. The challenge with fruit trees is when, you're, when we do the pruning, we do it late winter, early spring. When you've got five varieties growing on the cherry, you've got to be careful to not... Uh, you know, that you want to maintain all five varieties. But what you will look for in the late winter, early spring on the cherry tree will be any growth that the branches are rubbing together, even if it's little twigs that they're growing into each other so that there's any kind of damage, that you know, they're damaging each other by rubbing. So you'll look for dead twigs, you'll look for damaged or diseased material, and that you will cut off nice and clean with sharp pruners uh, in, like I said, the late winter, early spring on a nice sunny day. I uh, don't never, never prune anything when it's raining. So okay. that you will do and you will fertilize once the growth starts. By that time, it's, you know, May probably. And your fertilizer could be a fruit tree fertilizer or it could be uh, you would use some uh, composted manure, that sort of thing to top dress. Hopefully you did plant these things into full sun and into reasonably fertile, well-drained soil. Yes, the bl- Fairly early in the, and we were having good weather. Good. The blueberries a little different just because of the challenge with blueberries is that they have a very specific 
um, preferred pH of the soil that they're growing in. And that's our natural soils in Ontario tend to be limestone-based and tend to be very close to neutral in terms of their pH, whereas blueberries, they love peat moss. They love a lower pH than neutral, a more acidic soil. And so it'll be interesting to see what will happen uh, with your blueberry, whether it will be able to thrive or not. Uh, Do consider... Uh, ways of lowering your pH, which is using things like soil acidifier or aluminum sulfate as a soil amendment once the plants are actively growing in the spring. So that's a, a spring thing, you know, again, May, kind of early June time frame to if you were doing any soil amending to the blueberry. But otherwise, you know, they're hardy plants. I think crossing my fingers and toes, we're going to have a mild winter for a change. So we're going to see some pretty good survival, I'm hoping, on a lot of the, the newly planted plants. Uh, so the main thing is make sure the fertility is there in the spring and that you're doing the, the right kind of care to ensure the health of the plants. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. You're Glad very you, welcome. Uh, got through to us, Hazel. Always a pleasure to welcome folks, not only from Mississauga, but everywhere. Good Lord Levaduck. Now, wait a minute. Where is Thornton? Thornton. Well, let's find out. Let's, Doug, yeah. Doug is on the line there. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. How are you? Morning. Fine, thanks. Where, where are you located? Uh, southwest of Barrie. Oh, okay. There you go. All righty. I'm going to make a little note so I don't forget that. Southwest <laughs> of Barry. Okay. Welcome to the show, Doug. Are well, you thank first? Thank you for taking my call. I, I'll try and make it quick. Um, mm. I've been raking up my tremendous amount of leaves mm. and pine needles mm. and pine cones and finding uh, mushrooms growing on the grass, great huge white blob style, uh-huh. or the typical, uh, there's a row of gray ones and and there's umbrella shaped ones and white and. <laughs> And I'm thinking, what the hell am I growing here? <laughs> it's great, actually. I mean, it sound, I mean, you're making it sound kind of ugly, but it's actually a really good sign of a lot of life in your soil. Like, it's actually a really good thing. Oh, okay. All right, so what are you growing? All right, so what's going on there is under the... Okay, so you've got existing trees, and of course yep. they've got roots deep down and spreading all over the place. And for yep. all we know, there were trees on the property that are long gone, but the roots are still down there underground, slowly. I'm pretty sure that is true. Yeah, and it's that slow decomposition of what was on the property that you're seeing those mushrooms growing off of most likely uh, because that's what mushrooms do. I mean, what we see above ground is strictly the fruiting body of a mushroom. Uh, The vast majority of the mushrooms and the fungus is underground and it's in the form of threads, very fine threads, which are literally chewing up and breaking down all kind, whatever's organic under the, so, under the soil there. So when you have lots of fungus, mushroom activity, you clearly have lots of organic material under the surface of the soil. So that's not a bad thing. Um, it can seem a little weird. I mean, because you do see these, you know, alien things coming out of your, your ground. But um, that's when I used to get my, send my son out with a golf club. You know, you just basically <laughs> use whatever you want to just pop the tops off of those mushrooms. You don't want to leave divots in the ground, obviously, but by breaking the, the mushroom up and sort of, yeah, let it, it'll turn to mush if you just pop it out oh, onto the lawn. 
it you, turns to a black, black lime. Goo, after I know. Sort of done their, their cycle. It's amazing. So yeah, I mean, if if you're willing to break them off, bag them, compost them, do whatever you want. Don't look at them or let them be. They will that black goo will go back down into the ground, and you won't see any of it next spring. <laughs> so, now, I, I also have some uh, mountain. I think they're called skyrocket junipers or something. Mm-hmm. The tall, skinny trees mm-hmm. that uh, the they start in most of the nurseries at five feet high. Mm-hmm. It potted. Uh, I usually put a a two by two uh, tent over the rows of them, and then I wrap the tent with burlap and whatnot. And and I come to a couple of globe cedars that were put in just to enhance the shape and the styles. And these guys have grown wild. When can I sh- or should I trim them to fit the tents that I have that <laughs> goes over them? <laughs> well, okay, the, the junipers well, and the cedars, both evergreens. And the rule of thumb when you're doing any trimming on ever any evergreen is when it is actively growing. So the active growth is when you're, you're seeing that in the case of a skyrocket juniper, you're seeing that bright turquoise new growth. In the case of a cedar or a globe cedar, the bright emerald green new growth. Usually in your area, it's probably sort of early June, might be mid-June, might even be late June, depending on the kind of spring we're having. So it's that active growth cycle is when we get out our shears. Everybody turns into Edward Scissorhands and gets out there and does whatever shearing is required to maintain the dense growth, you know, the dense form of the plant and the beauty of the plant and, you know, the health of the plants. Okay, so maybe that that uh, explanation regarding the active soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're raking uh, leaves and you're raking them all over the lawn, then you get a couple of these, the nasty weather, whatever, and you leave them. Yeah. You go back, there's almost like somebody snuck in and lifted them all and put a a white powder on uh, some bare areas. Well, the leaves will suffocate your lawn if they sit in any, if they just lie as a mat for too long, even just for a couple of weeks, they'll often just kill the lawn below. But the white fuzzy or white um, powdery stuff you'll see below, again, that is a fungus. That is strictly a, 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 there's so many different kinds of fungal growth when we get into the dark and the moist, that that's, that's all that is. And it's, again, all part of that breaking down of the organic material. So it's all good. It's all healthy stuff. Don't worry about it. But should I be, where the grass is continually thinning because yeah. of the tree cover, should I be trying to get a grass seed planted and then throw down some soil to give something for the grass seed to start in? Or oh, Doug, you are sneaky. You're, <laughs> we're in about the third question now, say, Doug. <laughs> so, yes, the short answer to your question is yes. And it's too late now, but in the spring, top dress overseed. Top dress overseed for sure. Any of the, the thin areas of the lawn. Give us another call, Thanks. too, okay? Thanks for your call, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Had to pull a ripcord on that. because. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, you know, speaking of it, like mushrooms and stuff, I saw mm. a fascinating thing. I think mm. it was on the Discovery Channel, whatever. Guys who were, I think it was in Georgia, where they're out in the woods collecting truffles Mm -hmm. and holy mackerel the amount of money they're making but is it guys or pigs no guys how do they know where the truffles are well i guess over the years they got to know and you know they they're uh, underground yeah they're underground and they take hoes and they dig down five six inches and there are the truffles and like the one guy uh fifteen thousand dollars in one night 
he got a whole bag of these things, and and it's uh, I think well in this particular case <laughs> they're doing it on property that's not theirs. I was going to say so they say, were sneaking around. Yeah, but holy mackerel! It's it's something else. Yeah, because they're rare, but yeah. still, yeah. But you know, it's like you're collecting anything in the wild. Yeah. It's, it shouldn't be done. I'm, yeah. I can't be a, a, a supporter of such things. Because when people go and collect in the wild, whether they're collecting orchids or polar mm-hmm. bears or truffles, there's no concept of – They're upsetting the ecology. Well, yeah, yeah. Of, of maintaining the mm-hmm. population. You don't know. You're just yeah. raping and pillaging for your own purposes. So you know, it's one thing to say, OK, let's harvest some whatever, polar bears or mushrooms or truffles, but let's do it in a situation where we understand what we're working with in terms of the, oh, good the whole point. population. Yeah, I never thought of that at all. Yeah. I just thought, wow, what a way to make money. <laughs> <laughs> so you went, mm, I could yeah. get a hoe for seven ninety nine. George is a nice place to go. Oh, wait a minute. So my eyebrows <laughs> just run up there. Yes, but uh, you wouldn't know where to go. See, that's, they use pigs. That's, uh, when you yeah. said that, they sniff them out. That's how they used to find them. Well, mm. they uh, bypassed that whole thing. Uh, anyway, yes. well, hey, they didn't we, want to share the money take, with the pigs. We've got to take a little bit of a break here. We have Cheryl and Millie waiting by. Uh, and we do have another little word we want to get in for Sierra Sill. For those of you who are relatively new to uh, the garden show here and Charlie Dobbins' sage advice, advice that she will offer up uh, every show is the fact that to help your body kind of keep well oiled, if you will. <laughs> uh, you know? Keep those joints moving. Yeah. Three little Sierra Sil pills, we take them in, mm-hmm. in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now, you can do it at any other time of day, too. But whatever it is in that ingredient that is actually found in the Sierra yeah. Mountains. Completely natural mineral supplement found the in the mountains, exactly. Sierra uh, Sil. Yeah, it, it alleviates joint pain. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. So yep. any sore joints, take three little pills of Sierra Sil. It works for just about everybody. That's you why will joint know, 14 is the yeah, You will know within 14 days whether yep. it works for you. And if it doesn't, it's a full money-back guarantee. But if it does... You'll be so happy you tried it. Yeah, great people to deal with out in Vancouver. That's where the headquarters are. More information, give them a call. one joint 14 or check them on the web. S-I-E-R-A-S-I-L.com. Sorry. Sorry. Jumped in. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, let's see what Cheryl has to say. She is in Toronto and joins us now on the Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Morning. Hi. Um, before I ask my question, I just wanted to say I've got one of those Malvas that she was calling about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it extremely invasive. Oh, okay. For six years, it just pops up everywhere like weeds. Was it that same one for sure? same one. Oh, okay. I yeah. planted seeds. Right. So that's what I wondered. So, yeah, that's uh, Malva sylvestris zebrina. They will seed themselves. And, yes, beautiful plants. But, I mean, according to the information, it's not a long-lasting plant. Well, yeah, still, it'll take over if you let it. So the main thing is cut them down sooner than later to avoid seed formation. Pretty much. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, my question is, last winter I bought a pot of these apricot flaming tulips. And I put them in the garage when they finished. And I pulled them out to plant them this fall but they were sprouting. Mm-hmm. So I put them in the window, watered them. Now they've got that fuzzy white mold the other gentleman was speaking about. Mm-hmm. It's on the soil, though. Okay. Um, I don't know what to do with them now. I really don't want to lose them. They're gorgeous. So is there anything, what's showing above ground? Anything? Oh, yeah. There's, um, well, tops of one of the bulbs, but green shoots. The tallest right. one's about an inch and a half. Hmm. 
but they haven't done anything in the two weeks I've been watering. Okay, stop watering. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, so le- here's the what's going on. Great idea that you saved them because I do the same thing. When when a bulb has been forced once and it's been in a pot and you enjoyed it in your house in the winter and it's worth keeping, then you allow it to die down naturally, keeping it alive through the spring and the summer. It turns to a yellow and blows away, but you still got the bulbs. Mm-hmm. What happens is that we cannot force them again. So you can't, they've been, too much energy went into that first forcing. So what you really wanted to do, and you could still do this, I'd actually encourage you to do this, would be to get them outside and get them planted. Okay. So, but you're going to force them again. Well, no, by putting them outside, uh, it it would have been nice to have gotten them in the ground a month ago or so, and you're going to plant them down a good four to five inches deep, so then you're not going to put them up on the surface the way they are now in a pot. In the ground outside, they're going to go down deep enough so the squirrels won't know they're there, and they're going to be insulated by the soil above. Of course, pointy side up, in your case, you've got a little bit of green material, that's fine, just bury it all down deep, four to five inches deep, and... What, you know, once you've put it in the ground, if the ground isn't, you know, super wet, then just give a little watering once, cover with soil, make sure it's a well-drained soil and it's a location that will be sunny in the spring. All right. Walk away. Okay. <laughs> Next spring, at some point, they should pop through the ground and they should flower for you. If you keep them in the house now, they will not flower because they need that cold period in order to set flower buds. And they haven't had a cold period since the last time they flowered. Okay, so basically just plant them like I do all my other bulbs. Right. Yep. But get them outside. Yes. Okay. All right, thank you so much. Today. (laughs) Thanks, Cheryl. Well, looks like you got your work cut out for you this weekend. (laughs) Charlie is the greatest one for lining people up. I know, giving them jobs. Exactly. Cheryl will be calling us for the Sierra Soul uh, uh, website any day now if we keep busy like this. (laughs) Well, we've got another alliteration going here. Millie from Mississauga. Hello, good morning, and welcome. Hello. Morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have a bougainvillea, which was given to me uh, seven years ago, and it's been living on my balcony in the summer, facing east, and I've been bringing it in in the winter, but I've never had a clear um, set of instructions of when to prune them, prune the bougainvillea when I bring it in, and and then how much water does it need when it's in? So you've got an east-facing balcony, and when you bring it into the apartment or condo, it is in an east-facing room, I assume? Uh, yes, it will be, yes. Yeah, so it's not getting a ton of sun in the wintertime. No, no, not much at all. Right. When you bring it in, though, it's probably flowering. Well, yeah, the flowers are falling off now because I've left it out in the corner of the balcony where it's sheltered. Right, as and long I'm as you can. bring it in yeah. this weekend, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you probably should because it was pretty chilly last night. It was just below yeah. zero at my place, and this bougainvillea is a tropical yeah, plant. Yeah, watching that pretty carefully. Yeah, so bring it in. You'll probably find the tips might even, you'll know if it's had a little touch of frost, it'll be a little discolored, or the tips might be yeah. a little bit brown. I've already sprayed it with the anti-whatever it is, you know, for the bugs. Okay, good. Yeah, now the trick is... Uh, you, the pruning of the bougainvillea can happen at whatever time it makes sense to you. If there are no flowers on it now, and if it is a leggy plant with lots of stem and not a lot of leaves, cutting it back now will encourage new growth to happen and make a better shaped plant. But the plant is not going to do any massive, quick 
growth anytime soon. It's going to be March before you see any real radical growth. I mean, it'll certainly hopefully stay alive and it'll stay green, but it's, you're not going to see you know, a couple of feet of growth over the winter in an eastern light. Yeah, uh, that's all I want. I just wanted mm, to live till yeah. spring where I can put it out and yeah. start feeding it again. You that's know? right. So you, you could tip prune now if it seemed appropriate. You know, if there's any sort of dead material, take it off. Do okay, not... For- say tip just the tips just with the tips if they're brown or shriveled or dead looking so just the tips of any of the stems of which i'm sure there are many after all these years of having it they all look pretty healthy i'm looking at them at the window now so bring it in as much light as possible only water when almost completely dry dry. Yeah. yeah yeah let it really go to the dry side water thoroughly when you water then next year, around about March, you will start to fertilize on a monthly basis. Uh-huh. And you're going to get all excited because the weather's going to be nice and the plant's going to be saying, let me out, let me out. And you're going to start putting it out for a couple hours during the day on nice days. Uh-huh. But just before you start that process, do whatever pruning you want then. That is oh, your time to prune. Right before the spring. Uh- yeah, yeah. That first big flush of growth that's going to happen uh-huh. as the days get longer, you do your hard In the meantime, I bring pruning. it in with all these scrawny long... Uh, um, branches. Right, exactly. And so my point is if the scrawny branches are just too ugly and scrawny, <clears throat> you can cut them back just to make it look a little better for the winter, but uh-huh. you're going to do a hard pruning in February, early March. Great. Thank you very much, uh, Charlie. Thank thanks you, Billy. For, thanks for your call and good luck with that. You are listening to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Doppin. And we shall return Richard and Dennis yet to be heard from, so we'll do that momentarily. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And let's quickly get to Oakville and say hi to Richard. Good morning and welcome to the show, Richard. Good morning. How are you this morning? Great. Morning. Welcome. Good. Um, My problem is I have in the corner of my lot a cedar hedge on the fence line, and then inside of that there's a couple of pine trees and a large maple tree. Mm. Now, the maple tree, the roots are coming up above ground. So Mm. uh, what I need to do is cover that area with something. Grass won't work because Mm -hmm. it doesn't really grow well there. And the other thing is that you can't really run a lawnmower over those roots. Mm -hmm. It's just not, not, not prudent. Hmm. Uh, what can I put down there? And is that, <clears throat> excuse me, fairly level ground, or is it kind of rolling, or how does it work in uh, terms it's of... It's not that level. Great. Um, because of the roots and the way the earth is. Hmm. Um, in the fall, I get a, a very large dropping of leaves from the maple, mm-hmm. which has to be cleaned up. I can't really uh, mulch them in that area because of the roots. Um, so I'm wondering what I could put down or cover the roots <laughs> with to, to make the, the, room, the area look um, look a little more presentable yeah more presentable um, <clears throat> okay so just a couple of things the reason those maple roots are above ground is because that area has received shallow watering meaning natural precipitation or sprinklers have been out for short periods of time and have provided shallow watering which has encouraged superficial rooting 
and not deep rooting, though there may be some of that going on as well. And that's why we do see in lawns older trees will often the roots will get bigger. You know, it's fine when they're little roots. We don't see them. But then as they get more mature, they start protruding above the lawn surface. And as you said, it makes it very difficult for mowing or walking or anything in that area. But even if you planted a ground cover, there wouldn't be enough soil for a ground cover to get its roots into because there's all those roots of the trees already there. And then the planted um, ground cover, I have it in other areas, uh-huh. and it's a pain in the neck to get the leaves out of those areas. Right. right? So I know it's funny. I'm, I've got this vision of all these leaves dropping, and in my vision, I'd say, let them drop, let them be. Let those maple leaves drop. Let them, I mean, unless there's a concern that they're just going to blow around and make a huge mess. But bottom line is, that big mass of leaves, if you just left it there and let the rain fall and you mix a little compost manure in with those leaves, you would have three inches of great soil in about, you know, 10 months mm-hmm. just leaving those leaves there without removing them at all and because they will just decompose into a leaf mulch and that leaf mulch is something that you could then plant something into uh, which you, you may want to or you may want to just put a wood mulch or crushed you know a wood mulch on top of the leaf mulch the trees would love it and you wouldn't have to worry about lawn in there at all and you know put a little bird bath put a little bench make a whole little situation in there that that would be very pretty and seriously it, your your life would be so much easier if you weren't trying to remove those leaves all the time but, you know, like uh, if you left them for a year and then it became earth and then the, you have the mulch there and then you get the leaves dropping again. Right. So that would just would just keep making the whole thing rise a bit more each year, wouldn't it? Well, it, you would think so, except the thing is, is that realistically, and actually I've only got 10 seconds here, the, the leaves as they decompose will shrink. So it'll look really fluffy and then it'll drop by inches and then it'll look really fluffy and drop by inches. And we'll talk more about this next week because we got to go we now. Go. Thanks, Richard. And thank you, Sebastian, Franklin, everybody. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.